0: All right, I'll start by reading the passage, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 5. Paul writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. All right, so there you have it, uh, the passage we're going to look at this morning, Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. Um, Again, we're just moving along, right? We're chugging along in Ephesians as we continue this part Uh, in the second half of Ephesians in which Paul is exhorting us uh, to live out our calling, to walk in a manner that is fitting, worthy, uh, that is in accordance with the calling that we have uh, in Christ. It is always a call to live out what God has worked in us. Um, It is never a call to work so that you become acceptable to God. Even as you... Heard me read this passage. Walk or be imitators as dear children. Uh, do these things which are not fit. Do not do these things which are not fitting for saints. And notice how, you know, we're going to explore this a little more, but notice how Paul, when he says these things, he is arguing from a position of one who is already saved, one who is already a saint, one who is already a dearly loved child. He says, now act like a dearly loved child. Act like a saint. Walk in a manner that is worthy. Um, Last time, last week, we looked at the uh, tail end of chapter 4, verses 24 to 32, uh, where there Paul is just giving you examples. Because uh, earlier in chapter 4, verses uh, 22, 23, 24, he talks about this thing that we've seen before, you see it in, in a couple of his epistles where he talks about putting off and putting on. And that's the kind of that's really the the act of sanctification. It is the work of sanctification as the Spirit is working in us. He is prompting us to put off bad behavior to put off the way that we used to walk and to put on the new way of living so it's think of it like clothes you take off the the, the old dirty stinky clothes you put on nice new clean clothes and then he gives examples of what that looks like in verses 25 through 32 so it's a, an example a bunch of examples of putting off certain things putting on certain things so that's why he says put away lying So what are you to put on? You speak the truth. Uh, Do not be be angry when you sin. Uh, Do not steal but work hard. Do not speak corrupting talk but speak uh, words that bring edification. Do not grieve the spirit. Uh, Let all bitterness and anger and all these things uh, be put away and then be kind. So again, it's never a call to just stop doing things. It's a call to put off those old behaviors and to put on new behaviors. Um, and as we looked at it, you know, we called this like a case law. Um, if you think about again the Old Testament, after the Ten Commandments are given, Moses then um, receives from the Lord uh, examples of how to apply this. You know, so what what do you do um, if you're ox gores your neighbor's ox. What do you do if you do this? you know it's just applying uh, the law of God in the life of the believer. Uh, so that's what we saw last time. And then really what we see, again, Paul's just continuing this. this is, we're, so we're going to be hitting this theme over and over again. And so if it sounds repetitious, don't blame me, blame the Apostle Paul, okay? This, this is how, you know, it's, you, or you can blame me for the fact that we're taking it in such small sections that we seem to be hitting these same things over and over again. But we're going to see here that the worthy walk... As we saw before, it is a walk of humility, it is a walk of unity. Now we're going to see that it's a walk in love. And then next week we're going to see that it is a walk in light. And then in two weeks, Lord willing, we're going to see that it's a walk of wisdom. So, you know, again, Paul is using this metaphor of walk. How do you conduct yourself? How is a Christian to conduct him or herself? Well, in this passage, we're going to see that it is a walk in love. It is a walk in love. So the worthy walk is a call to walk in love after the pattern of Christ. So it's a walk in love that is one that is modeled after the pattern of Christ. Now, my wife likes to joke with me about my borderline OCD. Okay. (laughs) Um, I, I I probably suffer from borderline OCD. There's just a few things like if something is out of whack, I you know, if, if she's got like a little label sticking up out of the back of her sweater, I feel compelled to go and, and, and tuck it in, you know, little things like that, that annoy me. It's not I, I don't go and I don't like flip the light switch five times, you know, and wash my hands a certain way ten times, you know, and not like that level O C D but I only mention this because if you look at my points you notice how there—I've got two out of the three alliterated. <laughs> All right, I couldn't find a third alliteration, and it was driving me nuts. So, I, you have the command, the pattern, and the practice. Uh, I could have—I was—someone said the imperative. Instead of the command, I said, that's closer because it's got that P sound to it. So if you like, you can scratch out the command and you can put the imperative. Uh, But anyway, those are going to be the three points we're going to look at. The command that Paul gives, the pattern that he gives, and then what that pattern looks like in practice. Um, So the command is in verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Therefore, again, uh, the therefores point us back. So as Paul talks about um, all these putting-offs and putting-ons, not grieving the Spirit, he gets to a logical breaking point, and he says, okay, therefore, as a summary of what we just saw in verses 25 to 32, be imitators of God. Imitate God. Be one who is an imitator. Be one who is a mimic. The word there, mimitase, an imitator, one who... Mimics, one who copies God. That's verse 1. Paul uses this word of imitators in other places in the New Testament. Obviously, it's the New Testament if it's Paul writing it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Mimic me. Okay, same thing in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 1, where he expands on that, where he says, uh, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So in other words, imitate my imitation is a way to put it. Follow my following, walk after my walking. As I try to follow and imitate Christ, imitate me in that way. First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter one, verse six is another example of this, where in First Thessalonians chapter one, verse six. There he says, And you became followers, it's the same word there, of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So mimitase means a follower, an imitator, one who follows. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 14, just to round it off. For you, brethren, became imitators. Of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. So, this idea of follower is to follow the example of one. So, when Paul says, imitate me, he says, follow my example. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he says, follow my example of following Christ, right? And here, the example in this case, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 1, is, be imitators of God. Now you may think, wow, that, that's, that's a, <laughs> how am I supposed to imitate God, right? I mean, God is infinite. I'm finite. God is e- is eternal. I'm temporal. God is uh, without limits. I am very much bounded and limited. How can I be an imitator of God? Well, in a sense, that's what we were created to do as image bearers of God, right? We don't, Copy the things of God that we cannot copy, okay? Uh, in theology, we often talk about the attributes of God, and we, talk, we uh, categorize them in two ways. One is communicable, and then the other one is incommunicable. Uh, the communicable attributes are those things that are part of God's nature that we can share in, that we can participate in. The incommunicable ones, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you think that would mean? The ones that we don't share in. The ones that we are, where God is completely uh, separate and, and wholly other than we are. Right? So, again, God is eternal. We are not. We are bounded by time. We have a beginning. Our physical life will have an end. Now, of course, if you're in Christ, you have eternal life. So you have a life that is never ending. But it is not a life that is does not have a beginning to it so even though we may have everlasting life we have a beginning of life so God is eternal he has no beginning no end we are uh, temporal we are limited in that sense but God is a moral character he is he is he is a god of goodness and we could share in that goodness God is holy we could share in that holiness God is rational we could share in that rationality um, Again, just look at chapter 4, verse 24. When we talk about what does it mean to be in the image of God, oftentimes we point to verses such as Ephesians 4, verse 24, where he says, And put on the new man which was created, so this idea of restoring the image of God that was broken in the fall, that was created according to God, in accordance with God, in true righteousness and holiness. And then Colossians 3 verse 10 kind of uh, fills that out a little bit more where there Paul says, and have put on the new man which who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So knowledge, righteousness, holiness, oftentimes we look at those in our confessional statements as that's what the image of God is. That's what it, in a sense, can be summarized as. We are created in Righteousness and holiness and in knowledge, just as God is all-knowing, all righteous, all holy, we participate in that holiness, righteousness, and knowledge. So the idea of being in the image of God is we reflect this nature. Now, as a creature, we're never going to reflect it as as God is, okay? Uh, and then, particularly as fallen creatures, we're we're not going to reflect it perfectly at all. It's going to be marred. It's going to be distorted. Uh, But here, this idea of of imitating God is, in a sense, reflecting the image of God in which we were created. We were created to imitate him. And this is the command that we see in the Old Testament, right? Um, Leviticus 11.45, where there um, we, we are told to be holy as God is holy which is then repeated by Peter in the New Testament in 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16, where he says, As it is written, Be holy as God is holy. Or Matthew 5, verse 48, uh, where you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, So we are, in a sense, called to imitate God. Man was originally created in the image. Now, after the fall, as we know, that image is broken, it is shattered. It cannot reflect um, the image of God perfectly. But in Christ, the new man seeks to, as we saw here in verse 4, 24 of Ephesians, it seeks to renew that, that or to, to, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on that new man which was created according to true righteousness and holiness. So in Christ, sanctification is the process of renewing us back to, to that image in which we were created. So the Christian walk, then, is the walk... Oh, before I go on there, I missed a point here. But note the motivation. Okay, he says, and we mentioned this earlier at the beginning, therefore be imitators of God, as he says, as dear children, or as beloved children. We are to... Uh, this imitation, the motivation of this is as a dearly loved child that that word there, beloved or uh, dearly loved is the same word that God uses of Jesus at his baptism when Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water and the voice from heaven announces he says, this is my beloved son listen to him This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So that same word is being used here. As beloved children. As dearly loved children. So that is the motivation. We do this because we are loved. Okay, we imitate God because we are loved. We don't imitate God to earn his love. We don't imitate God to get his love. We don't imitate God to be welcomed into the family because we are already part of the family. Thus, we love God as uh, the, the fact that we are loved children is what motivates this uh, imitation. If you have a good relationship with your parents you know, you might want to grow up to be like your dad or to be like your mom, uh, to, to, to imitate them, maybe even uh, go into the family business as it were. The Christian walk of the new man is, now this is not my phrase, I got this phrase from someone else, but I like it so I'm going to steal it that's half of all preaching is stealing from other good preachers okay? <laughs> and, and uh, the, the idea here is the Christian walk of the new man is what we call status forward status forward in other words what is our status? our status is as dearly loved children so we move forward in that status we move forward because we are uh, dearly loved children it is not, we're not seeking that status We come out of that status, and then from that status, we move forward in our imitation of God. We are dearly loved children, thus we imitate our Heavenly Father. That's what the Apostle John says in his first epistle, in those great verses, 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. Even before that, uh, chapter 2, verse 28 Again, notice how John uh, says this. He says, And now, little children, he's speaking to believers, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, again that word there, beloved children. We are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, imitators, for we shall see him as he is. So this idea here is, That we move status forward. If we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, we need to recognize that a worthy walk must resemble the holy character of God who created us in his image. So that's the command. Now, verse 2, the pattern. So the imperative. So I'm going to emphasize the P's there again the imperative, and now the pattern. Thinking of a cartoon that I watched as a kid. It's completely irrelevant, so I'm not even going to mention it. All right, you twisted my arm. It was Peter Potamus. I don't know if anybody remembers Peter Potamus from Hanna Barbera. He had the hippo hurricane holler. No? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Maybe I'll just edit that off the video, the audio. I just like the peas. Anyway, the pattern verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So, if there's any confusion as to what being an imitator of God is to look like, an imitator of God, as Paul spells it out here quite clearly, is one who walks in love. Right? Why? Because God is love. Now, we don't like to pit God's attributes one against another, right? When we say God is love, yes, and amen, we affirm that. But God is not love in you know in a way that is contrary to God is just and holy and righteous. Uh, in fact, that's you know even to talk about attributes is a human way of speaking because God is not part this, part that, part this, and part the other thing. God is all of these things. That is his glory. That is his nature. That is what he emanates. But we look at this in a way to accommodate our, again, our finiteness, our limitedness. We speak in this way. Um, And love is specifically identified Uh, with God I mean again we know the great passage in 1 John where he says God is love right you know uh, 1 John 4 verses 7 and following beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God he uh, who does not love does not know God for God is love and this is the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved if God so loved us we ought also to love one another. Again this it's the same thing that Paul is saying here walk in love why because as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice and so on. So again, love is specifically and especially identified of God because it is it is the motivation for why he sent Jesus into the world in the first place. John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave. Right? How does God show his love toward us? He gave. Romans 5:8 how does God show his love for us while we were enemies? He gave his only begotten Son. Christ died for us. Now, it's one thing to say God loves us, but do we have, can, can we, you know, is there some way we can, you know, something we can look at, something that we can touch or feel or see or kind of sense that gives us a tangible uh, way to see the love of God in action? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. John 1.18, at the end of the prologue of John's Gospel, he says that the, uh, the one and only Son, the, the only begotten Son, came into this world to make the Father known. So Jesus, in all, everything that Jesus says and does uh, during his earthly ministry is a way to make the Father known to us. Which is why he can say to Philip in the upper room, when Philip says, show us the Father and it will be sufficient, he says, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have seen me in action, you have seen the Father. So yes, if you want to know what God's love for us looks like, look to Jesus Christ. Look to him, look to his life, look to his words, look to his actions. He shows us the love of God in action, in physical Form. So if you want to know God's love for us, look to Jesus. If you want to know how to be an imitator of God, look to Jesus. Okay? Um, I know this has been asked, and sometimes it seems trite, but um, at the expense of sounding trite, Jesus is the pattern. He is the pattern for the worthy walk. So, yes, there is a place for what would Jesus do? Right? What would Jesus do? Yes, well... Walk as Christ has loved us and gave himself for us. Walk in love as Christ also. If that's not a call for what would Jesus do, I don't know what else is. Now, when we say what would Jesus do, we don't say, okay, well, I'm going to go and die on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. I can't do that. So that again, this is—it's just like how can you be an imitator of God? You can't be eternal. You can't be uh, infinite. You can't be these. You know. Okay. Yeah. But I can be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. I can be loving as my Father in heaven is loving. So I can. There are ways for me to imitate God. Just as there are ways for me to follow the model of Jesus. I'm not going to go to the cross. I'm not going to live the gospel. Uh, You believe the gospel. You don't live the gospel. Jesus lived the gospel. I cannot live my life as a redemptive work, but we can model our worthy walk after the example of Christ. How did he walk? How did he act? How did he behave toward his father? How did he show uh, love toward his father? We can imitate that. Paul points out that Jesus' walk of love was the walk that led him to the cross, that's why he says here, walk in love as Christ has also loved us. How? To the point of giving himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. does John, what does Jesus say in John 15, 12 and 13? He says, In this is love that one would lay down his life for his brother, right? And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 21. We see this as well. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Well, he loved us to the point where he gave himself for us. Again, you can't be an atoning sacrifice for sins, but you can follow in his steps. If, if you couldn't follow his steps, then it would be foolish for the Bible to tell us to follow his steps. Right? <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't say that Je- if the Bible tells us that Jesus is an example for us to follow, then it would be foolish to say that we can't follow Jesus as an example. Again, we have to be smart about this. There are things that Jesus did that I cannot do and I'm not called to follow, okay? You know, I'm, not, I'm never, ever, ever going to be tempted to turn stones in the bread after being in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. But I can be tempted. And I can fight that temptation by appealing to the word of God, right? So, yes, there's a way in which we can look to Jesus as an example and a pattern to imitate, Paul here adds that Christ's walk of love was received by the Father as an offering. And that word for offering is a bringing to. It's, it, the, the word literally can be translated as something that is brought. To, you, know, you bring it forward uh, as you would bring an offering. Uh, as the saints in the old testament would bring these animals to the gate of the tabernacle or the gate of the temple is that's what Jesus is saying here he brought he was an offering he gave himself as an offering and as a sacrifice to God it's a sweet smelling aroma now again Christ did this in obedience to the father that's what Philippians 2 tells us he came and he, uh, he took on the form of a servant. And that, and that humbling of himself was a humbling uh, of, of obedience to the point of death. Even death on a cross, as Paul says in Philippians 2. So, while we cannot die the death of a, on the cross as Jesus did, we can, again, follow that example of obedience to the Father. And here, this idea of a sweet-smelling aroma Uh, Exodus talks about how the sacrifices, if they're offered rightly, the smoke rises up, if you will, to heaven and uh, sort of comes into... The, the holy temple of God in heaven where he smells the smoke of the offering, as it were, and he sees that it. it is well-offered and he is well-pleased. It is a sweet-smelling aroma. And Christ, of course, provides the sweetest-smelling aroma because his sacrifice was done perfectly, in perfect love and in perfect obedience to the Father. And then thus, that's why Paul can then talk about us, how we are the aroma. Right In Second Corinthians 2, he talks about how we are the aroma. Now, to to those who are living, we are the aroma of life, because we bring forth the good news. But to those who are perishing, we are the aroma of death, because we bring forth the message of judgment, uh, if you do not repent of your sins. But here again, he talks about Christ's sacrifice of himself, and that is the pattern, again not as an atoning sacrifice, okay? Uh, so we need to point out that Paul's not calling us to perform our own atoning sacrifices. Rather, the worthy walk of love that Jesus walked was a walk that led him to the cross, and that is then to be the pattern of our walk of love toward one another. Our love is always to be toward one another, right? You, know, you can talk about all you know, the one another's of the Bible. And, and that's how we show our obedience forth. We love God and we love our neighbors ourselves. Every command Paul is giving here, whether it's in chapter 4, 5, and 6, whether it's about putting off corrupt speech and putting off stealing and working hard, all these commandments come down to, as we know, and boil down to loving God and loving your neighbors yourself. Right, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to speak corrupting words to them. You're not going to tear them down. You're going to speak words that edify. You're going to work hard. You're not going to steal from your neighbor. You're not going to be angry at your neighbor. You're not going to lie to your neighbor. I mean, again, all these things just are the, the walk of love. So in Jesus, then, is that pattern. And now with the practice, the practice in verses 3 and through seven. So again, if it wasn't clear how we are to imitate God, we are to walk in love after the pattern of Christ. And it's like, well, what does walking in love look like? Well, Paul explains that in verses three through seven. The practice. The practice. And and again you have some more, you can kind of categorize these as put offs and put ons. Okay. Put off certain things, put on certain things. So fornication all uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not be named among you, how? As is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which, again, are not fitting, you can add in there, for saints, but rather the giving of thanks. So again, that's the, you know, he gives you the meat of the pattern here. To walk in love is to not walk in love. Fornication or uncleanness or covetousness. That's how the world walks, right? These are, in a sense, you could say these are perversions of love, right? Pornea or or fornication, that is the grossest uh, perversion of love. Yeah, that's what you see as placarded across our culture as love, right? Love is always physical. It's always sensual. It's always, uh, it's like, it feels like nowadays it's like the nastier and the filthier, the better. Um, Uncleanness, that same thing, uh, akatharsia. So if you think of cathartic, you know, if you, if you've, uh, you know, know what a catharsis is, it's a sort of a, a, a purging. Well, acatharsis is the reverse of that. It is uncleanness. And then covetousness, right? I mean, all of this is kind of, you know, covetousness seems to be the root of all of this in a lot of ways. That's how the world walks. Love is narcissistic. It is self-focused. It is focused inward. It is, love is supposed to be focused outward. But the world's way of love is always turned in on itself. It is always curved in on itself, as Calvin would say. It is a looking at how can I feel, how can I fill my needs? What will bring me pleasure today? What will bring me pleasure this minute, right? This day, this hour, whatever. It's always narcissistic. It's always selfish. And Paul says, this is not fitting. This is not seemly. It is not becoming. Again and then notice status forward. It is not becoming of one who is a saint, one who is set apart, one who has been called, one who has been redeemed, one who has been sealed, one who is being built up into a holy temple unto the Lord. It is not fitting for one who has this status to behave this way. So it's again, it's always status forward. It is not consistent with the one who is a saint. A saint is one who lives out the character of the new man. Again, it's what what God in his spirit is working in you, that is what is to come out. Okay? So it's always status forward. Filthy love, filthy talk, that's what you see in verse 4, right? Uh, Foolish talking, coarse jesting, you know, which are not fitting but rather the giving of thanks. So walk in love, not in fornication. Walk in thanksgiving, not in filthy talk or foolish. Let your words be used to give thanks. James talks about this, right? When James talks about what a you know, a small thing the tongue is, yet it is capable of great wickedness, because from the same mouth you bless the Lord and then you curse your neighbor, right? And he says, such things ought not to be. Such things ought not to be. Verses 5 and 6, he gives a warning. For this you know. So you know this. Why? Because they've been taught this by Paul, no, no doubt. That no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And then in case you're not clear, let no one deceive you with empty words. Don't listen to people who will tell you falsely, Yeah, you can be whatever you know. You've got the fire insurance. You've got the get out of hell free card. You can do whatever you want. Don't listen to that. That's deceiving. That is let no one deceive. Those are empty words. He says because of these things. What these things? Fornication, unclean, covetousness, idolater. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. No, that's. God's word. It's what it's saying here. Let no one deceive you. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. We've seen a list like this before. In Galatians 5, right? When he talks about walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. In verse 19 of chapter 5 of Galatians, now the works of the flesh are evident. They are Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. It's like I, I you know, Paul's like, okay, I'm, I've been in the sewer long enough. I'm just going to say, and everything like that as well. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6. As Paul there is talking about, um, well, many things. <laughs> Take your pick. What was the Corinthian church doing? They were doing all kinds of things. Uh, and he said, in the very same way, do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Chapter 6, verse 9. Then again, do not be deceived. It sounds like Ephesians. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Nor I mean, the list is the same. Sometimes you got different words here and there, but you got the same, you know, it feels like the same three or four or five things are mentioned every time. Fornicators, idolaters, covetousness, revilers, so on and so forth. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21, I'm not going to turn there, but talks about how in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no fornicators, no adulterers, no idolaters, none of, none of these things will be in the kingdom of heaven. They'll be in the lake of fire, right? That's the point. But you're know, like, okay, well, I, but I do these things. You know, I, 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 you know I, I'm sure I have some kind of idol in my life. You know, I, you know, I, I can't say that I haven't uh, spoken coarsely. Uh, I may have reviled another time or two and so on and so forth. Well, that's why Paul says in verse 11 of chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, and such were some of you. Again, status forward. You were that. You're a saint now. He's saying this to the Corinthian church. If you remember through our study of 1 Corinthians, they had, it's like, it felt like in God's providence, the church in Corinth was the collection point, if you will, the sort of the basin that every kind of sin that could happen in a church was collected. You had divisions, you had sexual immorality, you had you had arguments, you had people suing one another, you had divorce and and adultery and this and that and the other thing, and all these things were going on in the church of Corinth, and, and Paul says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord. So he's saying, Look, remember your status. You're a saint. Don't act like you're not a saint, is what he's saying here. Same thing in Ephesians 5. You are a saint. You are a dearly loved child. Do you know that if you do not put off those old behaviors, you're walking in a way of the people who are under the wrath of God, That's what he's saying. Don't be deceived. People who practice these things, people who are unrepentant in these things, people who show zero fruit in these things, over the course of a lifetime, are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has no place for these things. So, no one who walks according to the old man, according to the age, this age, this world, will inherit the kingdom of God. That's why you know the Bible, and the New Testament is quite clear. Or you know, uh, Jesus tells Nicodemus, "Y'all must be born again." Flesh and blood is not going to see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. I said y'all because he uses uses, uh, the plural there, y'all. So I'm speaking like I'm from the south. Y'all must be born again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. You have to be transformed. You have to be a new creation. All right, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17, my favorite verse, probably my favorite, favorite verse. If you're in Christ, new creation. The new age has already been established in you. Now you live that out. So again, the new man is not perfect. So I, when I say all these things, I'm not saying that you cannot have any evidence at all of these sins in your life because who here is completely licked the sin problem in their life? All right, I'm not seeing any hands go up, which is a good sign. Okay, You understand the battle that we have with the flesh. Romans 7 is real. right? We struggle with the flesh. That old part of us that is still part of this old creation is fighting against us. It's fighting against the new creation part of us. That's how you know you're saved if you are struggling with sin because an unsaved person does not struggle with sin. They have no problem with sin. They may feel some external guilt because of some teaching or something, maybe some way they were brought up, but they have no struggle with sin. No, the new man is not perfect, never will achieve moral perfection, but the new man is being renewed after the likeness of God. The old man is only capable of walking according to the course of this world. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the Spirit, who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. So you were walking according to the pattern of the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's how you were. But now you are a dearly loved child, you are a saint. Now he's just telling you, act like it. Act like a saint. Act like a dearly loved child. Put off these things. Walk according to, uh, walk as an imitator of God. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. Put off these things. Put off these things. So the worthy walk is a walk in love. God is love. God sent his son into the world because he loved us. Christ gave his life for us because he loved us. And since we are dearly loved children, we are to imitate our father and we are to imitate our older brother, Jesus Christ. But the warning here, however, is very clear. The fornicator, the coveter, the unclean, they are unfit for the kingdom of heaven. And we must not walk in those ways because that is unfitting for us in our new status. Paul Paul's saying their walk gives them away right how you walk you know what does Jesus say right he says a good tree is going to bear good fruit bad tree is only going to bear bad fruit by their fruits you will know them right we don't know who's saved and who's unsaved right I don't have that knowledge that's that's in the purview of God that that's that's his prerogative to know these things how do I know if someone is saved or unsaved well I have to look at their life I have to look at the fruit they're bearing I have to look at even if they struggle with sin and they fall over and over and over again in the same sin if, if I see that they, they are remorseful if I see that they have a desire to obey and if I see that they you know all these things are fruit and evidence of the new life that is being worked out of you in Christ so by their fruits you will know them our lives are to reflect the newness of life into which we've been called and to which we've been raised Paul says in Romans 6 walk in newness of life we're still going to battle the world. We're still going to battle the flesh. We're still going to battle the devil. But we strive according to the working of the spirit within us to walk in love as imitators of God. And again, I'm going to say this one more time before we close, that we, the Christian life is always status forward. It is always status forward. We imitate God as dearly loved children. Because we are dearly loved children, we imitate God. We walk in love because we are saints, because it is fitting for a saint to walk in love. The new man is being created, recreated, renewed after the likeness of God and the worthy walk is just a response to what the Spirit is working in us. It is the response. It is how we show the response of the Spirit's working in and through us, through his word. I'm going to stop there. Uh, Next time, we're going to look, the plan is to look at verses 8 through 14, uh, walking in light. Uh, So we'll look at those. I suspect I'll probably be saying a lot of the same things I said this morning, next week, and probably said the week before that as well. Uh, But uh, I'll stop here.